はい Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're talking all about football. Brian Doby, longtime coach of the Manitoba Bisons, joins us to talk about the upcoming season. It begins on Friday. Also, we talked to John Hodge of Three Down Nation about this weekend's Labor Day football games, including the Bombers and Riders. Also, former Bombers making and not making NFL rosters. What's the latest for those players? We'll talk about it on the podcast. Coming up on Friday, it is the opening of the Manitoba Bisons football season. They take on the Regina Rams, fittingly a Regina team on Labor Day weekend. The team, the Bisons, fell in the Hardy Cup last year, had a pretty good season, and they're ranked preseason number two in the conference, number six in the nation on the practice field. Right now they are, so this is not a live interview, full disclosure. I called up Coach Brian Doby not too long ago. He's been the coach there since 1996, so I started by asking him if he feels the same now as he did back then as the days tick away to a season opener. <laughs> that was a loaded question. Yeah, I, I, I do. You know, it's funny. Um, it's funny about coaching. I, I think teaching very similar, of course. It's, uh, uh, you, you know, here at the university, you're continually surrounded by you know, just about a hundred football players all around the age of 20. And, and, uh, and it's like a big avalanche that just carries you through They're uh, they're, they're can't, they can't wait to get going. And, um, our coaching staff feels the same way as do I, and, uh, I'm excited to get the season going for sure, for sure. Can't wait. So take me back to uh, the preseason game you had against the Huskies last week. It's preseason, so wins, losses doesn't really matter so much as what you you see from the team. What did you see from the team? Yeah, you know, it was an interesting game because uh, the score was 10-9. And, you know, it was was an exhibition game, a preseason game, call it almost a, a glorified scrimmage, if you will. But, um, I mean, it was a game. Having said that, though the one of the things that we got out of it was uh the fourth quarter um you know it was, it was such a tight game and 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 of course it it emotions increased right because it was everybody wanted to win um and and of course it went down that road so we got the added benefit of having a game you know being able to check out uh about 65 players played um you got the chance of you know to check them out and at the same time get the you know that you know the emotional side of it of trying to come back and win the game we we scored uh right near the end to make it 10-9 went for the two-point convert and didn't get it uh, then recovered the short kick and had another shot so um you know so i thought that was a great way to come out of that game uh emotionally having that experience uh it really you know, it, it really bonded the team. It was, it was great. But I think the other side of it, of course, is, is being able to, you know, take everything from spring camp and from training camp and, and put it on the field, put it together. And, uh, you know, with, with some of the new wrinkles we put in and, and, and test that out systematically. Um, so we're, yeah, we're prepared to play. We feel, we feel good going into week one, um, which is this week against Regina on Friday night. We, that exhibition game really, uh, I think got us, uh, you know, battle, pro- battle proven a little bit, you know? So you go into this season, ranked number two in the coaches preseason poll behind the Huskies naturally, because 
You were second last year. You lost in the Hardy Cup. They won the Hardy Cup, so it kind of makes a lot yep. of sense. Do you care at all about the coaches' poll? Does it matter to you and the team? You know, I I, I want to be honest um, when I'm being interviewed. Um, you know, I, I do care. I, I do. I, I don't think it's it's just um, frivolous. I, you know, does it does it actually count for anything? Well, of course it doesn't. You know, the national rankings. We're we're ranked number six in the country going into the season. That's that's pretty great. I mean, that's 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 a good thing. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't give you any wins. It doesn't count for anything. However, I think it does count in terms of um in in terms of your your personal pride uh you know being respected um your self-respect i think your your image your visibility all of those things they do matter they do matter and and you know these guys are playing sport they're competitors um it, it counts for them you know they're 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 playing to win they're playing for a lot of reasons and and they all add up to you know, the, the whole experience they get, but sure. It comes back to winning in the end. And, and, uh, all, all these things count in that direction, even though they don't count the scoreboard. So, um, you know, I think we're, um, I think we're proud of, of, uh, being respected that way in terms of getting high rankings, both by our colleagues in the coaches poll and by the, um, national rankings, uh, coming out of U sports. So Des Catelier is a principal part of this season. Obviously, any quarterback in a football team is. He gets hurt at the start of last year. He comes back for this year, his final season. How motivated is he to to rebound from a lost year last year? Oh, boy, that's the best question you asked me. I'm telling you because it's it's just such an easy response. That young man is on a mission. I, You know, he... he yeah, he, he, you know, losing losing his year 38 minutes into game one of you know opening game of the season last year, he was devastated. We were devastated. Uh, you know, we regrouped and and you know fought through that kind of adversity, losing losing your guy, you know, 38 minutes into a season. Uh, but for him. Wow, um, it was a long, hard road back, and and he did all the right things. Uh, he, you know, I I can truly say this, and we've had some really great quarterbacks in this program. Um, heck, I, I I've coached my whole life. Uh, we've never, we've ne- I can say this. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback that ever played at Manitoba. He's one of the best. Um, there's been some great ones, but there's no quarterback that has ever put into, you know, the work to be the best that he can possibly be more so than Des Catalia. He, yeah, uh, I, I really mean that. That's not a raw, raw statement. That's not, you know, given, given our guy a big hug. That's the truth. Um, he, he, I'll tell you what, this is last year, no matter what. And, and that kid is going to go on to be an outstanding coach. He's, uh, his football knowledge and his attitude and everything that goes with it, he, he's got offensive coordinator written all over him. So, uh, yeah, this is big for him, and uh, and he's ready to go. He can't wait. There's nobody on our team that would be even more so than that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm rooting for him and, and can't wait to, to see him out there Friday. Do you have to make sure he's not too wound up? Yep. Yep, that's another good question, and that's a that's a uh, a well thought out question because 
Uh, when we started against um, Saskatchewan up up there in Saskatoon uh, last Thursday night, um, he got the start and he was too worked up. Your your um, your question is very pointed. Uh, and and his first two series were actually I, I thought were awful. Like they were they were not good. And and you kind of held your breath a little bit to see where this was going. Let's keep in mind his situation is compounded. Um, I, I, you know, I don't care who you are. I think if, you, if you've come off a major surgery, whoever you are and whatever job you do and, you know, in your life, I think when you come off a major surgery and, and you're starting to get rolling again, you're tentative. Anybody, anybody would be that way until you test it out and you, and, and you gain confidence that you're okay. So he's coming off um, ACL surgery, um, goes into game one, chomping at the bit to get back, and and he, it was not a good start. So I'm glad we got that out of the way in an exhibition game. Uh, I, I, you know, he talked to me quite a bit about that after the game, you know, and 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 was really kind of kicking himself, and and we both agreed that lessons learned, um, you know, that that he needs to to come out and. And not, and not try to not try to win the game on 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 the opening play. Not try to win the Vanier Cup in one game. It doesn't work that way, right? And and he needs to go through his process. And and that starts with first possession after after the opening kickoff. So um, he'll be he'll be just fine. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I hope uh, during that exhibition game. So you go back to uh, an eight-game schedule this year. Uh, how does that feel to kind of feel, uh, I guess, a bit more normal? For sure, um, for sure, that is is our norm. Of course, uh, if you, you know, if you're fortunate enough to to get it all done, it's a it's a twelve-game schedule, thirteen with the exhibition game. If you went all the way to the Vanier Cup, so eight league games uh, for sure. You put in so much work. Uh, coaches, players, um, you know, throughout the entire year, uh, and 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 to not um, have have a full schedule. Uh, sure, it was good getting back, even though it was a partial schedule last year. We had a good run, we had a good season, but it was it was abbreviated, and it felt like it was. Uh, you know, I, I, heck, I'd I'd like to see the schedule increase to nine or ten games. Uh, I think that'd be perfect, but that's another another issue. So, um, yeah, this is this is back to where 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 it should be and where where we're at, and this is our norm for sure. So, looking back at that Hardy Cup loss to Saskatchewan, it was not a close game, and a lot of players, I'm sure, back from that year's team, looking to make amends from that defeat. What positives can you take out of a game like that? Well, you know, you're right. I mean, and especially the way it went, it was like a, it was like an avalanche. Uh, we we were up sixteen nothing on the road in the Hardy Cup in Saskatchewan. We're up sixteen nothing, and and we felt um, during that time, if we score the next touchdown, we may be untouchable here. We, you know, it twenty three nothing. That's a tough score to come back from. You know, it's more than three touchdowns. Um, but it, it went the other direction. And once it got going, it, it, it just spun out of control. Um, and sometimes things can, games can go like that anytime, any sport. Um, it certainly did for us in the Hardy cup, unfortunately, and fortunately for Saskatchewan, they were a really good team and they were, they were the best team. No question. They were the best team in the West. And, uh, you know, and I think, I think we, you know, in all truthfulness, I think we realize that. 
I think our players realize that our players went to work in the off season and, um, you know, with, with a good percentage of our team back, a really significant percentage. And I think that they felt that they, that they gained something from that. They realized where they stood. They knew they were close. Um, second best team in the West, but that doesn't get you to the Vanier cup. The best team in the West can get you to the Vanier cup. So that's been our mission. I, I, you know, I think there's been a, you know, I think they're very resolute in that and, uh, and, and very determined and, and, uh, excited for well-deserved reasons they put in the work so we're gonna start on friday and lay it on on the line i'll get you out of here on this you obviously lose players every year you gain players every year would you say the strength of this team is on the offensive or defensive side of the ball this year ah interesting question i i I do think I do think, especially initially in the season, I think I think defense. I think defense is further ahead right now, coming out of training camp and all, you know going into game one. Um, and I think it was a strength of our team last year. We lost we've lost a couple of key players on our defense, but mainly the the big ones. Brock Gallenlock was with the Alouettes now um, he, as a rush end, and he was extremely disruptive. Um, you just don't replace a CFL player or an all Canadian as he was with another CFL player and all, all Canadian, all, all in the very next year. So, um, but, um, but on the other hand, we have Des Catalia coming back at quarterback and we didn't have him. Jackson Tuchinski is an excellent quarterback and he did a great job last year. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I think, I, I think Des brings in that, that, that extra confidence and, and experience uh, but yeah, I, I, I think this team has, a, I, I think we represent with a really, really strong defense. Um, I, I think that may be the strength of our team. Um, our teams that have gone to the Van A cup, uh, coincidentally over the years have had really good offenses, but have had outstanding defenses and, uh, you know, hopefully our defense and our offense are that good again. Well, Brian, I wish you the best of luck this season. Thanks for taking the time, as always. We'll check in later on in the season. Best of luck in your opener on Friday. Thanks, Christian. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot for your time, too. Really appreciate it. As we turn our attention back to football, and we welcome in John Hodge of Three Down Nation as we get set for one of the best weekends of football in the Canadian Football League. John, is Labor Day the best time of year to be a Canadian football fan? I think it is. I mean, you, you've got great rivalries right across the country, and, and there's something about Labor Day. I mean, you credit the CFL. I mean, they, they over the last several decades, have found a way to to interweave, you know, CFL football into, you know, into the just the, the Canadian calendar, right? It's it's in our cultural fabric. fabric. At, at, at Labor Day, you watch you watch Canadian League football, and, and the same is true, obviously, for other events, right, a lot of people associate the holidays, you know, December, January with, you know, of course, the, the World Juniors. You know, you got March Madness in March. You, you've got, you know, of course, the NFL always owning Thanksgiving down in the United States. This is our version of that. And, uh, and I'm very excited for the matchups this weekend. Do you feel for the likes of BC and, you know, Montreal, Ottawa, they, there, there isn't really kind of a natural rivalry and Ottawa and Montreal they're not that far apart from each other but Ottawa's a really new team especially BC I guess they don't really get a, they don't get to soak in the fun of Labor Day weekend 
They don't. And I, I've always thought that would be a great perk if you ever were to get a 10th team potentially out east, right? Then you've got five really good built-in games. You've got the Battle of Ontario. You've got the Battle of Prairies. You've got the Battle of Alberta. You know, and, and I, I, you know, you pointed it out geographically, Montreal and Ottawa are very close. I have no idea why those organizations haven't taken more of a purposeful route at creating a rivalry there. Yes, rivalry should happen organically, but sometimes they can happen with, with a little bit of help. Just ask Jerry Maslowski, who, you know, jumped on the opportunity in, in 2004, you know, to, to use Troy Westwood's offhanded comment in the media to brand what is one of the biggest games of the CFL season in the Banjo Bowl. And uh, if ever we got that 10th team out East, then you've got the matchup, the coast to coast matchup of, of BC and uh, presumably the Atlantic schooners or whatever that team would be called. So we've got three great ones right now. And maybe, maybe that could be a long-term goal of the CFL to have five. Well, let's start with the one that's, Closer to everyone's heart here in Winnipeg and Manitoba, and that is, of course, the Labor Day Classic in Regina on Sunday afternoon here on CJOB. The Bombers can clinch a playoff spot in Week 13. It's super early, but they can do it because the bottom of the standings is, is pretty bad right now. And on the flip side, you got a Riders team coming off a big win in BC to improve to 6-5. and five. What kind of chance do you give Saskatchewan on Sunday? I mean, I think you always have to give the Riders a, a fighting chance on Labor Day. This team won 14 of the last 16 Labor Day Classics for a reason. And that reason wasn't always that they were the better team. Yes, they were obviously the better team during some of Winnipeg's leaner years from, say, 2012 to 2015, some years in the late 90s. But, you know, the Riders and, and Bombers on Labor Day, you know, you always say every year, you can kind of throw out the records. I mean, there have been years past where where the Riders have come in with, with a truly miserable team, right? I, I believe it was 2015 that that team started, you know, something preposterous. They were 1-8, and 1-9, I'd have to check, and they fired Corey Chamberlain, and, and they were miserable, yet they won right on Labor Day. And the Bombers have, have done the opposite, come Bowl, right? It, I think it was... 2013, the Riders ended up winning the Grey Cup. The Bombers were miserable. You know, they they just cleaned house. And, you know, Tim Burke, you know, had, had clearly was struggling in the head coaching role. Justin Goltz was starting at quarterback. Yet, yet the Bombers won that year. So, you know, the underdog is, is, is always a great bet if you're a betting fan, I think, on Labor Day. Because the Riders, you know, no, they haven't had a great season thus far. Um, yes, they're six and five. I think a lot of those wins have come against weaker opponents. You know, they beat BC in, in Vancouver, but of course, Nathan Rourke did not play in that game. The Lions quarterback simply did not look effective whatsoever in that contest. So I think the Bombers deserve to be the favorite in this one. But again, Labor Day, I think you throw out the records a little bit. Absolutely. The Riders have a chance to win this game at home. Let's go to Ontario, where the Argos and Ticats will play in Hamilton. The Ticats all-time 36-13-1 in the Labor Day game against the Argos. This is their fourth meeting in the last five weeks, John. They're going to play all their games against one another in a short span. Do you like that, or would you rather the CFL spread it out a bit more? To me, I, I think they definitely need to spread it out a little bit more. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm bored of watching the Ticats and the Argos play at this point, which is sacrilege, right, to say a few days out from the Labor Day Classic. But they've played three times in four games. I'm sick of watching that combo. I'm sure other people are. And to me, the better thing to do is, you know, if you want to have an early season meeting, fine. But then you do the back-to-back -back at Labor Day, 
and then you have them play right at the at the end of the year. You have them play week twenty, week twenty one, somewhere in there. You know, figuring that there's going to be some playoff implications at that point. To me, that the Bombers and Riders are scheduled well. They're not playing four; they're playing three. But they have the back to back now. There's a couple weeks that go by, and then they play again closer to the end of the season, which. You know, but we'll we'll see. There, it's unlikely. I think that there will be playoff implications between the two teams at that point. But, but you wouldn't necessarily know that before the season. I think having the last meeting between Argos and Ticats, you know, the, the biggest rivals out east happening at Labor Day is is a little bit silly. Uh, that that said, I, I I am very interested to see how Dane Evans responds this week. He started after missing a game and then being the backup to Matt Schultz. You know, he, he, he started the game. Matt Schultz came in, played well, got hurt left, and then Evans came in and threw a back-breaking interception. He turned the ball over four times, three picks, one one lost fumble, and he took responsibility for the loss after the game. You know, if the Ticats are going to make the playoffs, this feels like a game they need to win. They're currently four points down to the Argos. They're currently down 2-1 in the season series. If they want that season series, they're going to need to win this game. And to me, Dane Evans is the story because fans in Hamilton have lost some patience with them. I think some of the shine that he had going into the season has worn off and TSN reported today that, that Matthew Schultz is going to miss the next four to six weeks with a wrist injury. So this team is firmly in Dane Evans hand. He's going to be a lot under a lot of pressure come the battle of Alberta. The battle of Alberta in uh, Calgary where Edmonton snapped a losing streak. There was eight straight to Calgary until last year, Edmonton wasn't good last year, but they get the win in Calgary anyway. Looking at what Jake Mayer did last week here in Winnipeg, John, is it his team now? I think it is. And, and by the way, thank you. We're now on to the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I think I misspoke I got at the end of my last answer. Appreciate you. I think this is Jake Mayer's team. You know, the, the way in which Bolivar Mitchell was pulled from that game uh, the week previous, uh, I, I think spoke volumes. Like he, he was pulled at halftime in Toronto. Jake Mayer came in, won the second half. And, you know, I, I've talked to people around the league and, and I've spoken to people who have said, like, look, I would never in a million years pull a quarterback at halftime because, you know, at, at, at halftime is your opportunity to make adjustments. Halftime is your opportunity to really sit down uh, as a team, as a coaching staff, and, and put your heads together and figure out, okay, what are, what are we going to call differently? What are, what, what are we going to tweak? What are we going to change? And you really, and, and the tablets are always on the sideline these days. So you get to watch some film throughout the game, but you know, that's your time to really make adjustments. You know, you send your quarterback out in the third quarter, you see if they've got it or not, see if they can work through their funk. And, and then you go from there. Either he stays in or you pull him one or the other. It's not what happened with Bo. He got pulled at halftime. Jake Mayer goes in, played better than Bo had in the first half. And then he got the start in Winnipeg and he looks fantastic. Right, He completed 15 straight passes. Yes, he struggled a little bit in the fourth quarter, only completed two passes for 18 yards when it mattered most. But you know, against his dominant Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense, if you're putting up 29 points, almost 300 yards, and you're not turning the football up, he threw three touchdown passes. I don't think any other quarterback's thrown for three touchdown passes this season against the Blue Bombers. So to me, it was an exceptionally impressive performance for Jake Mayer. And, and look, contracts come into this as well. Jake Mayer and Believe I Mitchell are pending free agents. If you are the Calgary Stampeders and you are going to make the decision either way, either you're going to keep Bo as your franchise guy and let Jake Mayer leave to the highest bidder, or 
you are going to invest heavily in Jake Mayer and make him the new face of your franchise and let Bo Levi Mitchell potentially leave or retire, that's not a decision you can make lightly based off of a handful of games. To me, you have to let Jake Mayer be the starter for the foreseeable future and give him a true shot at the job. And that will help you in the offseason inform your decision-making ahead of 2023. Let's talk about the NFL for a bit here, John, because Blue Bomber fans, Winnipeg football fans, have really adopted Chris Traveler as a favorite son for his couple seasons here and what he was, what he meant to the team in 2019. He's been trying down in the NFL, trying to make it uh, in the big time. And he was cut by the New York Jets today, one of the players cut. Former Bombers, Drew DeJarle and Jonathan Kongbo also getting cut. Uh, DeAndre Alford makes the Falcons roster. Were you surprised that Strevler didn't make the Jets? Or is this a matter of maybe the Jets are just a bad team that doesn't know how to make good decisions? Well, I, I think it it is surprising and it's not. I mean, I think this goes to show it. It really illustrates, first of all, how much of a farce the NFL preseason truly is. I mean, Chris Streveler literally won all three preseason games, bringing his team back from behind. And I mean, you mentioned it, the the New York Jets are not a flagship franchise in the NFL. The Jets are, they're not even the redheaded stepchild. They're, they're like the forgotten child. They they've been miserable for, for decades now, it seems outside of a, you know, a few odd years with, with the Rex Ryan taking them to AFC championship games. They're a perennial loser in the NFL. And and for Chris Strebler to go and throw for five touchdowns, he literally led the entire league in preseason touchdown passes. And that was without getting a lot of work in in practice. He literally did not take a single rep ahead of the first preseason game. He probably wouldn't have even played had Zach Wilson, the former number two overall pick, gotten hurt. So to me, it, it, it just goes to show he was literally never a candidate to make the team because if he was a real candidate in any way, shape, or form, they would have kept him. And, and, you know, you might ask them, well, why, why even have him in camp if, if, you know, he's not a real candidate to make the team? Well, you know, he's a camp arm. Maybe you keep him if some, you know, quarterback suffers a long-term injury. Zach Wilson, you know, originally the knee looked like it might be long-term. Now it's not. Um, or, or, or you bring him in just, you know, just to, to save your, your guys, just because you, you don't want to send out, right, your starting quarterback or maybe your primary backup late in the fourth quarter where, you know, a third-string offensive lineman is going to read the blitz incorrectly and, and potentially get him hurt. So, so to me, it's disappointing for that reason. Chris Strebler did everything that he possibly could to win a job in New York. He outplayed all the other quarterbacks on the roster. To me, he deserved the spot, and it's, it's disappointing that he didn't get it. The good news, of course, is that there's 31 other NFL teams who watched the film and saw what he was able to do. And so I think that gives you some hope, and Strebler tweeted about this as much. And he also spoke about this to the media in New York, saying, you know, yes, I'm here for this job, but also I'm here to to win my next opportunity if and when this one doesn't work out. So I think Strebler has the right attitude, and I'm hopeful that he'll find a spot down south. Good chat to hear on this. On the note of the other guys, like Kongbo, who tried it with the NFL and then came back last year during the season, Dejarle as well, not making the Patriots, but he tried out for a bunch of teams during the offseason, are, are we expecting them to continue to pursue an NFL dream, even that is a practice roster spot? Because a practice roster spot is still a more lucrative position than a CFL contract. I think Drew Desjardins, for sure, is going to uh, pursue a, a practice roster spot. I've been led to believe that there's a good chance that he will be offered a practice roster spot. 
with the New England Patriots, but you mentioned it. He had workouts with a number of teams. Uh, he was seen by a number of teams. The Patriots also had a number of combined practices with other franchises who then, of course, got the opportunity to watch Desjardins, not just on film from the preseason, but also there in practice. So, you know, I, I do think that Desjardins will be down there for at least the rest of the 2022 season. I don't see him coming back up during this season. Um, that being said, Kongbo is a little bit of a different story. Kongbo is already 26 and a half years old. I saw a tweet today from down south, somebody breaking down all of the ages of NFL rookies in camp, and he was literally the oldest rookie. Now, you pointed out he was in camp with the San Francisco 49ers in 2000, but he had not, of course, played a live game. He was released with an injury settlement. Back then, if I remember correctly, didn't play in 2020 and then came back to the Blue Bombers for 2021 following the CFL's canceled season. So I'm not saying Congo will not get a PR shot. I'm not saying that he will. What I am saying is, you know, if you're an NFL team and you're looking for a developmental player, you know, a guy like Drew Desjardins is still 24-25. He doesn't have uh, the same, you know, the the same uh, wear and tear that a Jonathan Congo might have as a little bit of an older player, right? There's lots of guys in the NFL who are like Jonathan Congo, that six foot five, you know, 255, 260 pound edge rusher model who are 22 and 23. You know, you, if, if you have the option, a lot of teams are going to use the PR spot on that guy before they necessarily use it on a guy who's 26 and a half. John, appreciate your insight as always. Thanks for this and enjoy the Labor Day weekend. Thanks for having me, Christian. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this